Hey everybody, Bob Crossan here, giving you a quick update on the status of the podcast with coronavirus going on right now. We do have a regular scheduled episode coming out in March. However, with coronavirus being such an important topic right now, we wanted to share with you a Q&A that I conducted with WEF Executive Director Walt Marlowe about coronavirus, its effects on the industry, how WEF is handling it, and some of the other issues that are kind of consequential regarding coronavirus in water, wastewater, and uh, staffing and whatnot. So this episode is a special episode. It's coming out for you this week. Next Friday, that is March 27th, we will have a full new episode for you, much like our normal regular episodes. See you then. Hey, everybody, this is Bob Crossan, Senior Managing Editor for Water and Waste Digest. Um, This is a special episode of Talking Underwater. We have Water Environment Federation's Executive Director, Walt Marlowe, here. Walt, thank you so much for being on the call. Yeah, thanks for having me, Bob. Good to be here today. Wish it was under better circumstances, but uh, still, it's it's good to be able to bring info out to everybody. Yeah, same here, same here. Well, why don't we just start kind of from a high, a higher level perspective, um, WEF and its response to COVID-19, what, what's been the response there and what are your primary concerns with the virus at this point? Yeah, so we have uh, been responding on a couple of different levels. Uh, first and foremost is to our members, uh, partners and customers out in the wastewater industry. Uh, that we're trying to get the best information that we possibly can to them. Of course, uh, we're very much relying on information uh, that's coming out from government entities uh, like the CDC at the front of the health and OSHA as far as issuing guidances uh, for how our operators need to deal with a lot of the situation. Yeah. And when it comes to WEF itself, organizationally, what are you guys doing? I imagine there's remote work involved for just within the organization itself. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we have a lot of products. Many of those are in-person events. Uh, we've had to cancel uh, a variety of uh, events from some small training courses up to, you know, over 500-person conferences. And pretty much our whole slate of activities that involve face-to-face have been canceled for March and April. Uh, fortunately, we don't have too much activity going on in May. Our next big decisions on events are coming up in June. Uh, so from our customer mm-hmm. standpoint, uh, you know, we're trying to protect their health, and we're also trying to move some of that content into uh, distance presentation so that we don't miss out on a lot of that expertise was that was assembled for the in-person events. Uh, from the kind of mm. staff operations standpoint, uh, we went to voluntary teleworking last week, and I actually just announced that as of Wednesday, uh, we'll be going to full-time telework, mandatory uh, for all of our staff. So thankfully, uh, you know, we've been putting in place uh, the technology and the processes and procedures uh, to be able to do that. And this is really uh, the first full-blown test uh, to ensure that we really can continue to serve our our members and our customers on a distance basis. And then it's a really next. Oh, I was just going to say, and then the next group that uh, we're really worrying about supporting 
is our member associations. WEF is a federation, mm -hmm. uh, so we have uh, approximately 70 organizations, both domestically and around the world, uh, that we help support. And they're also making difficult decisions uh, regarding their, their meetings, in-person activities, and how their staff are going to operate over this time. Uh, so we're trying to help support them also. Yeah, it's an interesting time. I've, I read an article last week on how this might be the catalyst to drive remote work forward and be the future of workforce. It's really, really a fascinating um, concept that this could create that kind of catalyst too. Yeah, absolutely. I could, I could definitely see that both in the how do you work and then how do you learn, uh, you know, because I think uh, the effect on people getting their continuing education is going to be pretty profound over these next couple of months. Uh, and I think you'll see a lot of behavioral change in getting more comfortable with some of the distance learning. I don't think that's going to ever eliminate the need for people to come together. Uh, there's still unique value of coming and, and meeting people and getting some of that serendipity of coming together face-to-face. -face. Uh, but certain components will certainly shift to uh, – distance, I think. Yeah, for sure. So m moving on more to the stuff as it relates directly to like drinking water operators and plant managers, uh, thing with wastewater, some of the scientific information that you can share about 19 that WEF currently knows, and how is that actionable for municipalities and utilities with water and drinking, drinking wastewater? Right. Well, we're fortunate that the, uh, you know, guidance coming out of the CDC and, and other science and health organizations is saying, you know, this is a coronavirus. It, it has a lot of the similar traits to previous coronavirus, like SARS or MERS that have come out. Uh, and mm -hmm. in those cases, you know, there really is no kind of evidence uh, that the drinking water system or the wastewater systems are at especially high risk. Uh, the standard disinfecting, disinfecting techniques uh, that are used on both sides of the equation there, uh, you know, are have proven to be sufficient uh, to inactivate the coronaviruses. Uh, so I think the only mm -hmm. special thing that you, utilities really need to do is just to monitor to ensure that there's free chlorine available during treatment cycles to ensure it's not been depleted. Uh, and that should take care of uh, the coronavirus. Yeah. Well, one of the other elements, too, is the staffing of those facilities as well. A lot of these municipalities do have essential personnel, so even in times of crisis, they have to be there. Um, what, mm -hmm. what, are, what are best practices in that regard, too? I imagine from a plant manager standpoint and scheduling all these people, it's going to be a little over the next month or so. Yeah, I think I think that's the big challenge is the more personal staffing side of this. On on the science side of it, uh, CDC and OSHA are both saying that uh, the typical and administrative and engineering controls, uh, general safe working practices, personal protective equipment, uh, all these things that are usually used uh, in the process uh, are sufficient to protect the workforce uh, from uh, COVID-19. Uh, so really, I think the challenge is going to be how does the workforce deal with issues? Uh, if you have family members at home, we're seeing school closings across the country. Children need to be cared for. 
Uh, older uh, adults might need some care. Uh, so challenging uh, that schedule of when people may need to be taking time off or when they can get in uh, to work, that may be the bigger challenge than the actual health side uh, for wastewater facilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and God forbid if someone does contract it on staff, too, that would throw a whole other wrench into the works. Uh, absolutely. I mean, similar to what we've done uh, with telework, uh, we've also, you know, added monitoring for people that want to come back to the office for any kind of critical uh, item, uh, self-reporting of where people have been. So I think that's going to be prudent uh, across any kind of operation right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the other element here, too, for, from a utility and uh, municipality standpoint is indicating to customers about the, these treatment systems and the disinfection systems and letting them know that their drinking water is fine, their wastewater system is, is approaching this correct. Um, what, what are best practices for that community outreach element there? Yeah, I, I think... Uh... You're hitting on a great point. Uh, for the last century, uh, our drinking water systems and wastewater systems in the U.S. have been doing an absolutely wonderful job of, of providing a safe product and protecting the public health. We've done such a good job of it that we, by and large, fly under the radar, right? People expect to turn mm -hmm. their tap on. They expect to flush their toilet uh, and to experience no problems. Uh, and they certainly expect it during some kind of challenging health crisis uh, like we're facing now. So I think it's really important uh, for the agencies to be putting up public information on their website, uh, reassuring folks that this is nothing out of the ordinary, uh, that we're not prepared to deal with, and our systems are going to stay safe uh, during the uh, whole crisis. Um, so I, I think that's a that's a big challenge. And I hope that everybody's out there putting information at the forefront uh, so that their customers are not having to, uh, you know, sort through their websites or, or other communications uh, to really find stuff. Uh, hopefully, a number of them also have robust emailing where they can get out and be proactive with that messaging. Yeah, just make it as visible as possible, right? Yeah, absolutely, especially because we have a good story to tell. Uh, during this challenging time. Yeah, for sure. When, w one of the other things that I've noticed too, this is maybe a little down a deep hole, is the the buying up of all the toilet paper, right? And that's likely going to lead to people buy people also buying a lot of like the flushable wipes and stuff like that too. And that presents its own challenges and more community outreach for a different reason entirely, but um, it all kind of feeds together too. Yes, actually, uh, I was. Uh, we were just talking about some messaging that West is actually going to do along that, uh, because you know, being stuck at home in a quarantine is really not a great situation. Being stuck at home with a backed up water wastewater system is even worse of a quarantine. Uh, so we <laughs> want to send out reminders about you know what you should and should not be uh, flushing into your toilet or into any other kind of wastewater system uh, that uh, we really want you to stick to toilet paper at this time and not some of these other yeah. things that people just want to get out of their sight and uh, really don't belong in the wastewater system, uh, especially at this time. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, and then I guess the last thing that I had thought about when it came to this virus, you mentioned the canceling of shows, postponing of shows. A lot of those have continuing education credits and continuing education units that operators and trainees rely on to get certification and licenses and all of that. What, what, are, what are the avenues that WEF is looking at to make sure that those are still available to people, even though those events are being, uh, being canceled or postponed? Right. Well, we're really looking at uh, taking a lot of the content that we would have been delivering through an in-person event and trying to bring that to our members and customers uh, using distance technologies, webcasts, online learning modules, and uh, we're, we're reaching out to some of the, you know, authorities that certify the learning, whether it's at a state level or working with uh, the certification boards uh, to talk about how can they possibly be a little more lenient over the coming months uh, with accepting some of the professional development hours versus continuing education units versus any other uh, measurement of how they define a valid uh, continuing education unit, uh, because I think it really is uh, the goal of these programs to ensure that people are staying up to date. And, you know, given the new distance technologies, we're able to deliver that kind of learning the same as someone would get it uh, in person. So I think that the uh, cognizant agencies uh, really need to be aware of that. And we talked a little bit earlier about pushing change as a result of, of this crisis, and that's an area that maybe we'll be able to see uh, a little more experimentation, a, a little more, uh, you know, innovation uh, in how we accept learning credits from individuals. Yeah, yeah. Certainly a, an interesting time that's making everyone kind of rethink some of the processes that have been in place forever, basically. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, we always talk about how uh, the classroom is very often the same classroom that the ancient Greeks or Romans might have experienced. <laughs> uh, so mm -hmm. it's, it's great to have a lot of these new technologies to be able to reach people with information. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to share that maybe we didn't touch on in our conversation today? Well, you know, I think the key thing uh, is really to keep coming back to we have an, an amazing uh, bunch of people that are involved in the drinking and wastewater industries. They work hard every day to protect public health, and I think the public can really uh, rest assured uh, that that uh, diligence is going to continue. Uh, during this crisis and uh, that their water and wastewater systems are going to continue to serve them uh, and continue to protect the public health through this. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today, Walt. I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule and especially during a time like this to come and uh, chat with us about this issue and what it means for uh, operators, engineers, consultants, and the like. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me today, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll get back uh, with you someday in the future after this crisis is passed. Oh, I look forward to it. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks.